Beach, Rhode Island. This is your station, your music. The world famous. WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Ellen. The show we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. Today is the one-year anniversary of the program here, and I am very excited. I have a, I have an exciting slew of guests excited to join us here today. I won't spoil anything, though. You probably don't care, but I want to pretend that there's something special. I got Josh Perks who will be joining me in here shortly. He'll be trying to sit in for most of the program, and, you know... Lucky for me, lots to talk about today. We got J.D. Martinez coming in. We got NBA All-Star Game. We got the Celtics starting up the home stretch here. Bruins making a trade. Got a little Bruins update. Some U.S. national team hockey stuff to talk about. Got to talk about the MLB attempting some rule changes. Talk about everything that's going on right now with just... The MLB with spring training. So many things. Got. Oh, Louisville. <laughs> got to touch on Louisville. I was probably going to have a lot to talk about today, but that is not true. So anyway, like I said... If you want to weigh in on any of these things, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 or jump on Facebook, go to the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and watch the Mike Kane Memorial live stream, my Facebook live stream the show every week. Don't forget to check that out. Also, the show, as always, will be uploaded to the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud. But anyway, with all that out of the way, you are listening to the one-year anniversary special of the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, and we are going to dive right in. So yes, here we are, 364 days, technically, because last year the show was on Wednesdays. Excuse me, last year the show was on Thursdays, so times have changed a little bit. Times have changed, so this isn't an exact year, but it's a week of the year, so like I said, we've been doing this for a year, and I kind of want to save my, I guess, my my thoughts on that, my self-reflections. <laughs> I guess I want to save all that to the end, but I'm glad to be here. I'm glad the show's last year. This has been a goal of mine to be able to have an anniversary special like this, so I'm happy to be kicking this off. Like I said, we got some guests coming in, or calling in, mind you. We have, hopefully, Josh Percy, when he's done moving boxes outside which he's doing right now hopefully he'll be able to join but never nevertheless the show will go on with or without him so with or without anybody i'm used to doing this alone so i'm ecstatic to have people coming in but there's sports to be talked about and i i guess we'll start with what seemingly is the biggest news local area the one sport that's might be starting soon not one that's in that we're looking in the rearview mirror at and the boston red sox this week signed J.D. Martinez to a five-year, $110 million deal with a player option to opt out after the first two years. Which, okay, so last week we talked about how slow the baseball offseason is, and it seemed like in the last couple of days, or a few days after that, it sped up immensely. I mean, you saw Eric Hosmer signing with the Padres for a boatload of money, which we talked about. It's something that would happen. We described it as the MLB offseason was a stare down. It was a market correction by the players and the owners and or the GMs or whomever, the people running the teams, staring each other down, trying to figure out if, you know, B minus, B plus player, B minus, B players like a J.D. Martinez, like an Eric Hosmer, were still going to keep getting these massive deals or if the teams were going to stop paying them these sort of you know, massive, stupid Handley Ramirez 
Pablo Sandoval X deals for players who probably weren't worth it. And I think we've seen both of them. Eric Hosmer definitely got more money than what his market value should be, but also not necessarily what he would have gotten if he was a free agent past couple of years. So Hosmer deal is up for debate whether or not he got more or less of what he's worth, depending on what perspective you're looking at. If you're looking at it just flat out what the player should be worth, he got more. But if you're looking at it, what a player of his caliber has gotten paid the last couple of years, you could pretty easily say that Eric Hosmer was underpaid. So that's something to note. But we're not here to talk about Hosmer. We are here to talk about J.D. Martinez, who is a guy who has obviously been tossed around as a potential candidate for the Red Sox, potential guy to come in here and be a power bat, and a guy who's especially been to focus ever since the John Carlos Stanton deal went on. He kind of transitioned to being, you know, the best guy on the free agent market for filling the Red Sox needs. And all kinds of things have been thrown around. You've had people saying that he's just not worth being a big-time, big-money free agent. You've had people, you know, saying that what he did in Arizona was a fluke. You've had people say that he, and you've had other people, other Red Sox fans, people who talk about the team saying that, no, he's worth it. He fixes their problems. They need to make a run now. They've, you know, really kind of closed themselves into a two, three-year window here before guys start leaving, before Chris Sale's contract is up. Things that's so they need to go out now. Maybe he's not Bryce Harper. If he's not Manny Machado, he's still a guy that they can get now who can help them in the coming season. Help him keep pace with the Yankees who are in a freaking arms race now. Or you can't, and then, you know, you've had his detractors. You've had people who don't think he can repeat what he did, who don't think he's worth a big-time free agent contract, who think he's another Hanley, who think he's another Pablo Sandoval. And me, myself, I've erred, I've erred on the side of pro-J.D. Martinez for a lot of the time. And I've said that I think that, I mean, obviously they need the power bat. I don't think that's a maybe. They definitely need the power bat. They... I don't I don't think that they could possibly roll in that they could possibly roll into this coming season with the same roster as last year. And which it was looking like they were gonna do before this deal went down. Days into spring training. But they I don't think they could roll into this roster and it should be into the season with with the roster from last year, expecting fan interest, expecting to be competitive. I mean they they'd be competitive, they'd be a ninety win team. But to actually, you know, be a legit contender, you know, maybe, maybe win, you know, two playoff games this year. And I just don't think they could roll. And so for that reason alone, I said, yeah, they need to bring in J.D. Martinez, even if he's not the perfect fit. Which he's not. He's not the perfect player, but he would still add to their roster and would, if anything, at least make, you know, us as fans of the team feel like, hey, maybe, uh, maybe at least they're trying like, at least they're bringing in somebody who could correct their power problem, which they were abysmal at hitting the ball for power last season. Abysmal, one of the worst teams in the MLB. In a year where historic home run records were seemingly being set all over the place, all across the country. And then, you know, you've had the people who say, oh, well, the development of the young talent would make up for the difference. And no, it wouldn't. I mean, I don't think so. So yeah, so I, and also I thought that the criticisms of J.D. Martinez being a one-year or maybe even a half-year wonder were unfounded because he's a guy who's had a couple of 30 home run seasons. And once again, that's not, you know, $200 million player money like he was asking for at the beginning, which I never thought anybody was going to give him, but 
to say he wasn't putting up those kind of numbers. I wouldn't have been comfortable giving him that kind of a contract, but I still look at him. Okay, people are being a little too hard on him. His stats are better than maybe we're looking at them. The interpretation of it. His stats are better. He's been a sliver more consistent. And then, so I aired on the, I did air on the JD Martinez side. And I brought up that I wouldn't have paid him a $200 million deal, but guess what? The Red Sox got him for nearly, for a little over half of that, which I can't complain about. I think that the Red Sox signed J.D. Martinez to a very good contract, I think, an excellent contract. The deal they got him for, once again, the first two years, he will be making $25 million, and then he has an opportunity to opt out. And, you know, become a free agent again. Hit the open market, yada, yada, yada. His deal runs out. And that would be when he would be at about age 32, 33. And I like this deal a lot. I do. I mean, for one, it's front-loaded. If we're talking about anything, it's front-loaded. Which, if you can afford to do it in the MLB, is the way to do it. Because otherwise, you don't want to be paying him more money, you know, in his age 33, 34, 35 season where he's not going to be the same guy. Also, the opt-out, you know, if J.D. Martinez comes in, has a good couple of years, he'd almost definitely opt out. Because if J.D. Martinez played somewhere close to the level that he did this last season, and the level that he's at least getting paid as, and I'm not saying he will, I'm not saying he's going to hit 45 home runs, but he's getting paid like a guy who hit 45 home runs. So if he can play close to that level, when he becomes 32 and he can opt out of the deal, he'll be in line to probably get a massive contract somewhere else. So I would imagine he would opt out, which if that was to happen, I'd be fine with that. I think all of us would be fine with that. That would be really the best case scenario, I think, for most Red Sox fans, for the team, the management. I think that would be the best case because then he can opt out. You free up all that money. You have that money. You know, your young guys are probably up. Devers is up for arboration. You probably need, you need to resign or maybe resign. Bogars, Bradley, Benintendi, Betts. Chris Sale's contract would be running up. It frees them up. It would be running out. It frees them up to make the types of moves that they'd want to make. And yeah, this contract giving them a decent chance to not have to carry this guy into his old age. And giving him the chance to opt out and maybe get a bigger contract. The kind of contract that he seemingly thinks that he's worth. I think that's the best case for both sides. I don't, well, no. The best case. For, it's not the best case for both sides. The best case for J.D. Martinez was he gets paid $30 million per year on a six, seven, eight year contract. That's the best case for J.D. Martinez. So, excuse me, this is not the best, but now with the market looking the way it did this offseason and teams valuing players the way that they did this offseason, yeah, this was probably the best case scenario for J.D. Martinez and for the Red Sox. So, yeah, coming from a guy who was, I'm not going to say big on J.D. Martinez, but from a guy who was into the idea of J.D. Martinez, for this team in this moment in time. Yeah, I th I mean I can't I can't be mad about this. I think that they they handled the negotiations perfectly. They didn't the team did not 
yield. They stuck by their number. They knew what he was worth. And, you know, I wouldn't have been livid if they didn't sign him and he went somewhere else and signed a gigantic contract. No, I wouldn't have wanted the team to overpay him either. So the fact that, once again, they were able to sign him, they were able to sit on the number that they themselves set as what they wanted to pay J.D. Martinez, and they were able to and they were able to once again sit at that number and let him come to them, know his market value, know what at least know what they valued paying him, even if other teams were willing to pay him more. Yeah, I think they handled this great. Dave Dombrowski handled this expertly. Now it will be a matter of this JD Martinez just coming and suck, and he isn't the player that where now, even if you weren't on board before, you're hoping that he is. Is he that guy? Now it'll come. You know, Dave Dombrowski just completely misvalue the player because then he had the player sucks. It doesn't matter how smart you were in the negotiations. Well, it matter. I mean, looking back, it kind of matters, but still, like it doesn't help the team. Well, I mean, doesn't help the team in the short term if J.D. Martinez just sucks, regardless of you know how intelligently you handled the contract negotiations and how well you read the market. But nevertheless, I mean, they they handled this as well as they could have, and. For the team, I think this is good. I think J.D. Martinez is going to come in and help them hit for power. I don't think he's not going to be a 45 home run guy, but yeah, I think he has the potential to be a 30 consistent home run guy for at least the next couple of years and then hopefully opt out and go to greener pastures. But anyway, though, as it is the anniversary, we have our first guest of the day calling in and welcoming to the program an XIN old guard. A man who branched out into the pro ranks for a while. We have joined a man who taught me a lot of the things that I know these days. Joining us as the first guest, we have Mr. Nick Costa, former host of a Nick and Rass at noon. And how are you doing, Nick? Thank you, Nick. I mean, how have you been? How have you? How was everything go good? Yeah, you mentioned. You said you're trying to focus on music. I've been seeing you post your stuff on Instagram. You're still making beats. What are you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good to hear you doing what you want to do, though. I mean, how do you... I mean, it's good. I mean, how's... I mean, no, it's good to hear that you're doing that. I mean, I'm, it's, I mean obviously, you're, you're talented. I mean, you can do it. You can do, I, I mean, I think you'll be successful no matter what you do. So you uh, so now you're working on the doing the rules records thing. That's good. I mean, do you have a SoundCloud? Do you have any way to post anything you want people to pursue before we kind of dive into the meat of things here? I'm glad, I mean, I'm glad to hear, once again, I'm glad to hear you do. I mean, remember, I always listen to some of these. I like a lot of your stuff. 
So I mean, I mean, I mean, good, good you're pursuing that. Good you're doing what. You, good you're not letting yourself get trapped in the rat race when you maybe don't want to. So, not a lot of, not a lot of people will do that. Not a lot of people will leave, will leave the stable job to pursue their dream. So good on you. What about, what about Rash? You been in touch with Rash lately? What's Rash? Real uh, Rash Rashawn Vias, of course, a former sports director, my my predecessor at the position I'm in now, former co-host of Nick and Raz at Noon, which was a show that I, I I had a little bit of an era there on. I had a little uh, I was road road sidecar for a little while on that show back back in the day, back in the predating the stadium predating the stadium experience even. But Nick Costa, of course, is a big big basketball guy, big guy, and we just I, is that what we want to talk about is and. Neither of us, and we talked about this before the game, before the game, before the show, neither of us watched the All-Star game. I saw, I saw like, assorted mini highlights of the dunk contest on, like, Twitter, but that's nothing. And I read things about it. I mean, I've looked at the score. If, if you also didn't know, the Team LeBron beat Team Stefan 148 to 145, if you just want to know Kyrie did good. Like that's on team LeBron. Him and LeBron are seemingly still boys. So that, you know, that's, if you care, that's out there, but we, Yes, and that's what I want to talk about is that they tried to reformat it this year. They tried to add the whole, you know, like players picking the teams, which is a concept I want to get into. But, you know, they were trying to revitalize the thing. And in defense of it, the ratings didn't really go down all that much. They went down a little bit, but they went down, you know, a marginal amount. But them going down or just staying the same, you would think is kind of a failure for the league. I mean, not, not a failure. That's a strong word, but that's not what they wanted because conceivably their idea was they were hoping that reformatting the All-Star game, de-conferencing it, if that's a word, they hoped that that would kind of generate more interest. And in defense, people talked about it a little bit, but yeah, seemingly that didn't help ratings for the game at all. Because they didn't really go up at all. And obviously they're changing it, hoping that it increases the ratings. That keeps them the same or makes them go down a bit. So, and they say it, and the, one of the reasons that they brought up was the Winter Olympics. In this article I have from ESPN. They brought that up. They did mention that the ratings were actually a little up from 2014 during the last Winter Olympics. For, if you factor that in at all. But either way, the ratings didn't go up. So... Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, and you know what I think was the number one missed opportunity that they had? And the number one thing that I would have been so interested in and that I was so disappointed not to see was... Why did we not get to see them pick teams? Because that was the number one thing I wanted. I am so disappointed that they didn't just go to on, on ABC or TNT or something and have Curry and LeBron line up all the rest of the All-Stars. Like... YMCA, like, rec, like, outdoor court style, and have them pick teams. And that would have been so glorious to watch. Because, you know, as somebody who's had his fair share of experiences being picked last in various sports, it would kind of make me feel good watching, like, the 25th to 30th best basketball players on the planet struggling realizing that they might get picked last and doesn't matter if you're in the all-star game with the top 30 NBA players I feel if you get picked last that's gonna hurt some some way and yeah I just that was the number one thing I would have liked to see and they didn't give me that so it almost made the whole thing feel pointless to me Nick oh seems a call drop we're gonna put him back through Right quick. Oh, uh, yeah, so well, we try to get Nick Costa back online. We have Janelle Gomez, our traffic director, who has some words for me, I suppose. Woo! Hello, Jan. I just want to congratulate this man. A whole year of commitment to this show, not only to this show, but like to bringing new news to the show, bringing um, more traffic to the show. I appreciate everything that Jake does. He's a talkative young individual, and it's pretty admirable because he sits here the whole two hours just talking to you guys. So please appreciate this man. This man does not come out the woodworks with this shit. He just literally is just amazing. So mm. I just want to say happy one year, Jake. You did it, man. And to you many, stuck around. many, many, many more until I hopefully one day become a professional. Exactly. And honestly, you're well on your way because of the simple fact that like, come on, man, listen to do you. Do you hear yourself? Yes. That's you're why a, I wear the headphones. You are a competitive uh, commentator. Thank you. You are definitely one for the books. And thank I just want to say uh, happy one year. I want to say thank God for the stadium experience. Uh, we're here one year later, and guess what? We're still rocking. We're still rolling. Like, he doesn't even play music through this, and he's still got you guys coming up every freaking week. So I want to just say I appreciate you guys. I appreciate his commentary. I appreciate his soulfulness and everything he brings to this show and what he brings to our station. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for uh, coming every week. And also thank you, God. Thank you, uh, Jake. God. Jake, not even God. <laughs> Screw God. I don't even believe in God. But, I mean, thank you, Jake, for bringing thank this you. traffic thank so you. I could direct it. I appreciate it. I want to just put that in there. Um, uh, Janelle Gomez, a.k.a. DJ Pineapple, a.k.a. Water Wednesdays, 10 to 12. Stick by. I'm not really here at 10. I'll probably be here okay. at 11. But, like, <laughs> All right. yeah. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Jake's doing great. 
And thank you guys for supporting Jay continuously because guess what? Your support has lasted a whole freaking year, man. I would hope. I hope I have some OGs hanging out there in the, in the audience. Exactly. A whole year. Wait, wait. Don't you have like two OGs at least, though? I got plenty of OGs, yeah. Exactly. The rest of them are anonymous, but yeah, man, fine. keep coming every week because, man, Jake's doing great things. All right. Thanks, Janelle. I don't know anything about sports, but I mean, I learn <laughs> it as soon as I listen to this. I'm like, okay, I know who to go for, who not to. <laughs> All right. Jake kind of determined is my life <laughs> so i just want to put that uh, out there as well so thanks. thank you guys have a great day happy wednesday stadium experience one year please stick around because right. I, I can't i can't even imagine what this this incredible creative genius has in mind right All now right. thanks janelle no problem. Anytime. Water Wednesdays. Come through. 10 to 12. Uh, anyway, back on the line now after that. Thank you, Janelle. We have why have, a, why have an anniversary special. People are going to come whack you off a little bit. Anyway, back on the line now we have Nick Costa. You back, Nick? Yeah, sorry about that. So I, how much of what you heard that, of what I said did you hear? Because I was talking about how I think the number one missed opportunity in this is that we didn't get to see the All-Stars all get lined up on a black court, I mean, just on the court, have LeBron, Stefan, go out there, pick them, and watch, like, the 25th to, like, 30th best basketball player on the planet struggle with the idea that they might get picked last. Yes. Yes, watch. As somebody who's been... As somebody who's been picked last a fair share of times, I would like to see, like, LaMarcus Aldridge, who's realistically, like, the 40th best basketball player in the world, struggle with getting picked last. Because guess what? If you're getting picked last, doesn't matter where you are, you're getting picked last. Also, we have Josh Percy finally joining us now. So, Josh, wanted to lie with Nick Costa. Hey, Nick, how's it going? I'm doing really good. I, I did watch the full All-Star All game. I really enjoyed it. But one thing that point that stand out to me was that LeBron James personally would have liked to pick teams during practice because he would have been able to see what every player could bring. And I think that would attribute to the pickup uh, basketball style that I think they're trying for the All-Star game. And I am totally in favor but of that. But you see, like, if you want to do that style, you got you to gotta let us watch them getting picked. That would have made me way more interesting in the game just watching somebody get especially with the NBA where it's so much drama and all these guys are buddies or all hate each other just watch like Kevin Love like not get picked by the first couple picks by LeBron like just did you did you ask him who he thought got snubbed no I, I we, we, we're gonna get to that first that's why I talk about how I wish I could see NBA players getting bearer so I could feel a little bit better because I definitely want to hear who Nick Costa thinks should have made the all-star team over certain players uh, I'm definitely interested in that He did he did play in the Rising Stars game and him and Tatum balled. No, they played on the Team USA versus the World Team game. Correct? Yes. Um actually I totally agree. I do agree. I think that any shooting guard out there should have been uh, if Jimmy Butler decided not to play, which is the reports that we're getting is that he wanted rest. He should have shared that with the team so that they could have gotten a replacement for him. That's in my opinion. 
Well, no, I guarantee you that Boogie and um, Kevin Love got those bonuses just because they got injured. You still, you still got elected to it. You chose not to play. So why not replace him? That's true. Yeah, because uh, that was something I want to get into. Now Kevin Trent, too. LaMarcus Aldridge. Your mic's not on. That's Sorry, his mic wasn't on. LaMarcus Aldridge also really asked to play limited minutes. He still played, but he didn't play a ton of minutes. He was also the last player picked. And Al, Al Horford, second last player picked, by so, the way, all your Al Horford fans out there. But One thing I personally thought was that Jason Tatum got snubbed in the three-point contest. He's one of the high. He has a he has a above five hundred percent three point shooting percentage. So and he, he had a higher percentage than I remember at least two of the players that were in it. Mm-hmm. And I I mean I I personally would have liked to see a rookie in it uh, since he's a very good yeah. shooting. But I think he's better ca- off the catch. Yeah. So he probably wouldn't have played well. Yeah, but I, I think he got snubbed. I I don't know about that. I just I mean how, how are these how are they picked for the contest? I don't even know. Is it just picked by a committee or is that picked by voting as well? I don't. I actually don't. Know. I don't know. Does Nick know if it was picked by Nick, committee? Is it- Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I would have liked to see him in it. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I get that. I think here, I, I'm not like I, I don't think that, I mean, I don't think Jalen Brown was an All Star, has been an All Star this year. I mean, just I'm not. I, I didn't mention that he was an All Star. No, no, no. Well, Nick brought that, but also, I mean, I get it. I don't know what the selection is for. I'm not gonna split hairs over Tatum not being in the three point contest, honestly, because like he, I don't know, like I don't look at Tatum and immediately think like great three point shooter, and he well, has been, he has been a great shooter. But, well, I think a part of it is that they want like every team to have some re- type of representation, yeah. and they want. Within at least one point, whether it's the skills competition, the dunk competition, the rising stars competition, the all-star game, I think that once they pick the once the all-star starters and reserves get announced, then they start asking players around the league for the three-point contest. They start asking for the dunk contest and the skills competition. They start figuring out the rising stars. I think they try to get as many players or at least as many teams involved yeah. so they have at least one player from every team. Yeah, but Tobias Harris. I mean, yeah. he's played I great. Mean, like, that's fair. Like when I'm looking at the list of people, and I'm like, okay, like this Tob- is Tobias. Har- like is Tobias Harris a guy you got to push to? Like I get it. Like fine. Well, granted, else? he was also just traded to the Lakers uh, to the Clippers. Yeah. So it would kind of make sense I, that I, I figured that I was probably chosen beforehand, though. Yes. However, I figured that. Out. I thought that I think this is. I I personally think that. Remember this. One day we're all going to wake up and LeBron James is no longer playing in the NBA. Yes. And that time is coming soon. The NBA needs to figure out who the next face of the NBA is going to be. But I think it's not going to be face. It's going to be faces. Yeah. Because I see at least five or six players that are either one or two years in this league Mm -hmm. that are Ballers, and if you get rid of LeBron, if he retires, you have so many players that have the chance to step mm-hmm. up and be that guy. Or at least Jason get the folk- Tatum. At least Jason at least Tatum the- was taken after Lonzo freaking Ball, and he definitely is a better overall player than Lonzo. Uh-huh. And you know what? I would almost say that Jason Tatum is a better overall player than Markel Fultz. 
I mean, at the but moment, yeah. I mean, at the a moment, Ainge thought that, yeah. I mean, I would. I would. I th I'm trusting Danny Ainge here, and I'm yeah. sure Nick Cost is going to agree with me because nobody could, nobody could have predicted the Markel Fultz shooting issue. But he wasn't a good shooter to begin with. Yeah, I mean, his his jump shot has just like fallen apart. Like, dude, here he's brought in like some outside trainer who's not even really a basketball guy. He's brought in like but, his, he's brought in like his own Alex Guerrero now to help him like fix his jump shot. But and it's just like it looks worse than Lonzo's. Personally, now. yes, I think that. That rookie of the year should only go to people that are drafted in that year. That's my opinion because you have guys like Ben Simmons who will probably win it. Although you have Donovan Mitchell who was balling oh, out yeah. of his mind. You have Lori Markkinen who personally was one of my favorite players in yeah, the draft. He's pretty good. Balling for the Bulls. You have Jason Tatum who's playing like. Uh, a 20-year-old Paul Pierce, and who he honestly reminds me of yeah, Paul he reminds, Pierce. He reminds me of Paul Pierce, yeah. I'm, but, I'm not going to say I'm not gonna say that he is Paul, but no, he's a similar type of he's player. He's similar, that. which is something that they missed yeah, because main, Jay mainly Crowder a scorer, wasn't him. Yep, mainly a scorer, yep. So, not the you have all these guy, guys yep. who are going to get overshadowed by the bigger name of Ben Simmons. Well, Ben Simmons is a rookie, though. Like, Ben Simmons deserves But is he, he because he, yes, he, yes. he, just because injury robbed him next year, are we going to be honest? Markel Fultz is a rookie next year because he didn't play enough games to be. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, it, that's, I'm not going to split hairs over that. Like, I don't. That's just my. And there's like five of them that matter. Yep. Yeah, but I mean, Ben Simmons is a new face as far as the NBA is concerned. I mean, that's a guy who's also on like another classic franchise that's had problems. And also, it lets, it lets me say trust the process more, which I always love. But I... I'm just I'm just thinking that, you know, like these like Donovan Mitchell, mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now that either Donovan Mitchell wins or Ben Simmons does. Yeah. But if Ben Simmons wins, he's getting robbed. Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum, Laurie Market, and all these guys don't really stand a chance because Ben Simmons, if he could stay healthy, would have been Rookie of the Year last year. Well, no, he, and you know what? Well, no, he Joel... wouldn't have been because Embiid, Sarek, and no. him would have all torn it away from each other and still would have gone to Brogdon. No. no, if Joel Embiid was healthy this first year, he would have been Rookie of the Year. And you know what I'm saying? Brogdon won because he was an actual rookie. Well, he Embiid won had been in the league for two years. He was just not healthy. How is that fair? That's not Donovan Mitchell's fault or Jason Tatum's fault that Ben Simmons can't stay healthy. It's also not Ben Simmons' you know fault what I mean? that he got hurt, though. I mean, it's not fair. He wasn't able to Conditioning. encourage. Conditioning. He's got to work on that. Well, I mean, some guys are scared. But it's not his fault. He wasn't able to incur a year of service. I think I mean, that just... they should make it as rookie of the year. You can only have just been drafted, whether you're drafted or undrafted. It's your how we first got this. legal year uh, because a lot of, I, I just looking at it, like a lot of rookies got snubbed who have been balling because you have these guys who are still playing at the top of their level. And once LeBron's gone, Kevin Durant might not be far behind. And you're going to have this league where you need new faces. And if you continuously have these guys who get injured in their first year of, you know, like Michael Porter Jr., yep. what if he's going to get drafted top five Probably whether he's get healthy yep. or not. And he's going to get hurt. And then he'll be a rookie in three freaking years. Yeah, and he's it's kind of like how the NBA, guys. it's kind of like how in the NFL all the young quarterbacks keep getting hurt. Like, it's not productive. But also, I mean, the league's got to push these guys at some point and... I just think that if they want to make things interesting, they limit the rookie of the year to just first year players. I mean, I think it's still pretty interesting as is, if I'm being honest. I think Well, yeah, cuz you have like you have Ben Simmons. I mean, like, it's, it's a lot Simmons better out. than last year where Brogdon won it averaging like 
10 points a game. Like, they were actually, like, legit rookies this year. Last well, year, they weren't. No, well, no, Embiid would have won, but he also got hurt. Yeah, and I'm but saying he now, wasn't like, he only a rookie, played, like, 40 though. games. I'm just saying, like, compared to last year, I'm like, we can argue about the, but at least there's, like, three or four players that were actually, like, legit players this year as rookies so nick next year if they're looking to do something similar would you at would you want another team lebron versus team steph or would you hope that they go like team Giannis versus team durant team Giannis versus you know another player what what type of setup would you want to see What if you see, you see, here's here's my thing. I agree with that in principle, but also I would love the drama of who would LeBron pick if he like leaves this year and goes to the Lakers or something. Just like that in itself. I would just cause it's and I get the point and you completely make sense and I want to agree with you, but just like if LeBron was to leave, I would kind of really enjoy the drama of seeing who he would well, pick. Well, no, my Yes, no, like no, you're right. Like every on every level, you're right. It's just like the one little part. Like my the part of me that loves the soap opera of the NBA would just appreciate seeing like. What would you think if they? This is all the way out in like left field here. Is if they want to focus more on the younger players, what if they had some type of thing like? Um, oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Hang instead on! Instead of hang a hold rising star next week, next year, Team Durant, Team Westbrook. Maybe. I mean, if we're just that you're put you're you're no you're just you're just trying to build into storylines. I yeah, rather I see. Yeah, I am I rather see Giannis lead up a this, team versus stupid picking the teams. Like I just, it's all for drama. That's the biggest. That's the most fun you can get out of it. It's just like watching them get picked. Who picks who? Like who hates who? Like that's the fun of it to me. Well, see, that's the other thing I, I want to say is like I don't need Giannis pushed to me. I know who Giannis is. Yeah, the average basketball fan might that might benefit them, but I'm not about benefiting the <laughs> oh, league's come bottom line. I'm about benefiting me. Like Team Antetokounmpo, come on. Team Antetokounmpo is just like screaming to happen. No, I get no, that can happen in like three or nobody, four. Nobody, nobody will like, for them because they can't pronounce it. And that can happen in like three or four years when he's the best player in the league. But I want these drama storylines that exist. No, now. but the Westbrook Durant thing's over. I know that it's, it's it over. You're pushing. You're what right. you're trying to do is put is force them to feud again. I, I know that feud's long over. I know. This year would have been the year to do Durant oh, versus year, Westbrook. Honestly, like, yeah, they missed the fucking boat. But with that what last if year? they tried to stack the teams with younger players instead of doing the rising stars? They do kind of like two all-star teams. They do like kind of like the first team NBA versus the second team. Do like the second tier all-stars versus the first tier all-stars, but not like that. You know, I'm gonna be honest. This would all get this all sounds good in theory, but this would all just be really exhausting. I would end up still not watching a lot of it. If no, I'm what, being no, honest, you don't do a rising star. You do people who get voted in for the first all-star game uh -huh. as starters, and then the reserves would be the second team all-stars. And then you have so you have more players participating, mm -hmm. but it limits the younger players potentially. Potentially. Or what if you make it as though um they they do the starters, but you have to have a certain amount of players under 25. You know what I mean? I I I don't know, because 
the NBA All-Star team, as long as it's voted it's for... It's going to be the same freaking will, people will for the next ever, five years. Will forever just be based on names. You're right. Like, even if, like, I don't know, like the, Paul no, the George has a bad... starters are going to be the same. Even if Paul George has a bad year, like, people will still vote for Paul George because like, they know Paul George. Every, for the next four years, you're going to have Klay Thompson, Steph Curry, Dur- Draymond, and Durant, LeBron, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, Westbrook, all put into it. Well, I mean, all those guys, I mean, most of those guys deserve it. But like, the NBA yeah, exactly. Should it should be fresh, which is why they should probably not have it be a fan vote. But it being a fan vote is how they keep the fans involved like, in this. Let's the, let's throw this out there. The two rookies trying to, of the they keep the, trying to value the vote. Rookie less of the less, year, yes. Ben Simmons, runner-up Donovan Mitchell, head up the All Star teams next year, or you do it. Okay. Yeah, and I don't, and I'd also say this. I'll be honest. For the average NBA fan, the stars are still the draw. Like people do, like people as much as we're sick of it because we pay so much attention to this, way too much attention to stuff. For the average fan, like they want it. Well, maybe not see LeBron, but they want to see, you know, Curry. They want to see. Well, the, see, I'm a they big fan of the Harden. NBA, and I want to see the younger stars. Yeah, and I agree showcased. with you. I what agree if, with you. I'm saying if, though, for the average guy. This is what draws them to the All-Star Instead of game. world versus the U.S., what if they did the Rising Star Challenge or the Rising Star Game similar to the way they do the All-Star Game as a draft? So those players possibly seem as though they are just as important. So they draft. They can play with their friends. They have, like, you have Rookie of the Year and the Rookie Runner-Up from the year before. Even if they're not good, like if Donovan Mitchell, like, you know, drops off the face of the planet, but you have those top three players that finish in each position, you can decide out of those three, depending on that year, when it comes up to the All-Star Game, who can captain the sophomores who captain or no you you just do captains for uh-huh. the rising stars game mm-hmm. and the cap limit is you got you can only be four years in the league or maybe okay. even two years in the league okay and then but like ben simmons has been in the league for two years so wouldn't that force him out no you would have to think well technically speaking he's only played one full season so then that type of issue you see, rises i feel like up. at that point that if trump they would they, they would have trouble creating a whole roster well, no, because they what you do is they had world versus U.S. So you just got to look around and say, all right, who are the best players under freaking twenty three right now? And then you throw they you, that's who you throw in for the Rising Stars challenge, and then you you take the best two players like you did with LeBron and Steph, mm-hmm. or you take the Rookie of the Year, Rookie yep. Running Up, whoever finished higher. You throw them in as captains, and you say, hey, your game is as important as the All-Star game, so you guys can pick teams. Yep. They get to pick okay. teams. Oh, I mean, no, you know I mean, I mean? that would be better. I could I could live with that. Because, you know, they had Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum playing on the t- same team, but what if they played opposite? 
You know no, what I mean? I mean, you got ideas. I mean, you're right. Take that world game. Well, promise. I think they might see that world game as a good opportunity to get an international audience. And I don't know what the numbers are. But on if that. if, if you're coming in internationally, you're going to be young anyways. And yes. if you're good, you're going to get on the team. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Um, they won't exclude. It's you have to put an age cap on it for the rising stars, which would probably be 23 because most people come out of the league at 1920, and that gives you three or four years in the league. So it widens the gap because most of the time it's rookies and sophomores that are eligible so if you expand it to an extra two years maybe uh you have people who are potentially playing on final years of their contract that can show off um like Jokic, uh like Jokic, who's like 24 um who didn't make the all-star team or the rising stars team but he's also super young mm-hmm. like how did he get snubbed? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you expand the Rising Stars challenge, I'll say in uh-huh. quotation marks. Yep. Um, you, you make expand that a bigger it in age. You make it so that yeah. people who are good at a young age but play at the same positions as LeBron and Durant get or Boogie and Anthony well, Davis. The team is, well, the team is posi- well, the league is positionless. So. Exactly. Well, you know what I'm saying? Um you get it so that you get as many big-name people in that All-Star weekend as possible. Just like I think they need to expand the dunk contest to from four people to six. I think that'd be interesting or make it an odd number or something. Um, I think they need to spice it up. Yeah, no, I agree. See, I think it's just a matter... I agree. I th- and... Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the dunk contest is like a shell of its former self right now. And but I think, and I think that you can ex- improve in all of them. I like the guards versus the big men in the skills competition. I like the skills competition. I like that, yep. And you know the NBA is working on like a four-point shot type thing? Dude, love, love what that. if the finals of the three-point shot is the four-point shot? I wouldn't like you know that what I'm because that's – because then no, I feel that, like... No, that, that – if you win that, that shows your range. I, I feel like just being able to heave them up from near half court is kind of a different skill set than actually like being able to shoot threes. No, no, not half court. No, I know. Four I'm point, like, which is just slightly once farther you're back. Shooting it from like, th- like quarter of the way to half. I definitely think that. I the, definitely know what you're talking about. Yeah, 
I definitely think that they could improve in the All-Star Weekend, and there's multiple things that they can try. I think making the All-Star Game, I think making the Rising Stars Game similar to the All-Star Game, where what you do in the All-Star Game, you should do with the Rising Stars Game. Draft teams, make it competitive, yep. yada, yada, yada. The skills competition, I think, is going to be as interesting as possible. You have big men versus guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's great. I it showcases sometimes, like, like Ben Simmons is a, is a three and a four, but he plays the one. He'd be perfect for that. Oh, yeah. He would probably scoop that award. He could be like a four or five time winner of that. Yeah, get Porzingis exactly. in there. Yep. I mean, RIP, and then you, you you increase the dunk contest participants, and you potentially make a star out of them. Or you know, everybody has creative ideas for dunks. And then uh, the or three you point have LeBron post an Instagram video of him dunking in a gym by himself at the and same then you, time. The three point contest. contest is the interesting one because it's a three point contest. Yeah, and they get but, stars for that one. That one's yes. Three point contest never had a problem with. That's fu- I, that's always fun every year. But I, I do it. think they need to improve on the weekend. Uh, but I did watch it and I enjoyed it. I thought it was very fun. I enjoyed watching Kyrie and LeBron play together. I enjoyed watching Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis and uh, play together on LeBron's team. I thought the teams were evenly shared apart. Jimmy Butler not playing kind of pissed me off. You're there for a reason. Even play like eight minutes like yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge did. Come on, man. You you can you you can sweat. Get a sweat going. But honestly, just give me the players picking the teams and televise it and line them up in the gym. That's all. That's all I want. That is all I want out of this. Any everything else. What if is... they did a a uh, pickup game style for real, where yes. they they shoot three pointers and you make you make it you make zigzag everybody exactly. <laughs> Zig, are we doing? I, I like that. No, they I, can no even tell I like the picking. I like making them pick because I want to sit. I want to sit there and watch them sweat it out. Because you have like big men who can never hit a three pointer. No, I want them. I want them to like uh, like. LaMarcus Aldridge, I don't see knocking down a three-pointer. You no, know what I mean? I want the psychological warfare. No. Uh, but what I'm saying is, like, they have multiple ways that they could make this interesting. I, I want to watch a guy. I want to watch a guy who's an NBA All-Star get picked last. Is what I want to see. I mean, if that's what I want. Would you rather watch Andre Drummond completely miss three pointers no. on like every single no, attempt? No, I'd rather watch Andre Drummond stand there and get picked last, like he's me at the YMCA. Hey, Andre Drummond is actually super underrated. Oh, he is. All right, he's a great free throw shooter now. That's something he worked on his game yep. all summer. I don't care. I don't come need on, to see, man. I don't need to see the zigzag. I want to see the psychological warfare. That's I, all. I, I want to see out. Al- I want to see but Al Horford. Nick, I can tell you right now, I last year or the last two or three years, he's been one of the worst free throw shooting players in the league. But this year, go look at his stats. He's definitely. I don't want to say he's a be, a great three a great free throw shooter, but he has definitely improved on his past years. He's worked on it all summer allegedly, and it has really improved. I believe he silenced the Celtics when they played him. Yes, with a free throw, with a three, with a free throw. Um, but he's shooting sixty-two percent this year. Yes, which is not bad for him. No. Anyway, anyway, we gotta we gotta wrap this up. We we've been rambling about this for almost an hour now. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Nick, for joining me today. All right, look up Rulers Records Radio. We were just talking to Nick Costa, former Rick Radio old guard, dare I say it, legend, as Josh Percy is leaving the building after coming here and bogging down my show, as usual. Anyway, though, you are listening...
to the one-year anniversary of the stadium experience, and we have a... It's now, uh, now time, as Josh actually leaves the building, it's time for our second guest of the show. He'll be calling in in just a minute here, but... Yeah, a lot, lot to talk about the All-Stadium, but now I want to transition things now to we're entering the final stretch of the season here. The Celtics have about, how, how many? What do they have, 20 games? The Celtics have about 22, 23 games left to end out the season. They were not on a good stretch as our second guest of the show now calling in. And joining us now, who per participant from the stadium experience, drive to the draft, my good personal friend, we're joined now by Adam Moore. How are you doing, Adam Moore of Endicott? Good. This is your first time hopping on anything in my media empire in quite a while, but now joining us. So we're glad you can join. We're glad you can join us for the one-year anniversary. And I'm just talking now about how the Celtics now moving into the final stretch of the year. They have 23, 24, 25. I didn't count the exact amount of games. Who cares? But the Celtics heading a stretch. And, you know, down the stretch at the end there, the Celtics lost three straight going into the All-Star break. They lost four or five. And their next game since the break is Friday. Once again, they didn't look great. They were playing slowly. They were missing smart. But even then, defensively, they were not playing good. They gave up 129 to the Clippers, 121 to the new-look Cavs on their first night they lost to the Pacers they lost to the Raptors so and they lost to the teams that they should be beating or that they want to be beating so I guess Adam what do you want to see from the Celtics going into the rest of the year going into the playoffs I mean what what are the keys for them Yeah, and I think Smart coming back will definitely help with that. I mean, I mean, he's one of their best defensive players. I think that they need him. They definitely, they definitely missed that. Definitely haven't had that. I guess that air of grit that they had early in the year, especially when they were playing like probably when they were the best defensive team in the league for what the first 20, 25 games. They've been missing that. They've been missing. I mean, this team has not had the scoring off the bench. They had that little Terry Rozier thing. I mean, they they need guys like Rozier who's been. You could say inconsistent throughout the year, but he's had good upswings. He's had points when he's played like the, the kind of guy they need off the bench. And then they've had spurts where he's not. They need him. They need Tatum and Brown, who I think have kind of slumped a little bit as of late. Kind of fell into that rookie second year slump a little bit. They, I would hope they come out of it. I think they will with the break and everything. And then also probably something, something that hasn't really been talked about a lot. I think it's been how brutal Marcus Morris has been. 
for a lot of the last stretch of the season. I think he's, I mean, Marcus Morris has just been, and I like Morris a lot. And I think he's the guy they need to get going. And he's been, for a lot of the season, he's been better than I thought. He's been a much better player than I expected. So I think he's definitely a guy that they need to, I don't know what they need to do. They need to bring him in and be like, hey, Marcus, shoot less. Be more efficient. Because it's just, I feel like he gets the point now where if he gets the ball, I think he's going to shoot it. And I'm not excited for it. And he can't create off the dribble. No, absolutely. I mean, he's taking... And, I mean, you saw it kind of pay off for him, like, say, in the Wizards game that they won in OT. He had 15 points in that one. He scored some clutch points. And he's tended, when he's been good, to be good in the clutch, which is why I think he's a guy they need to get going. He's had plenty of games where he's played very, very well in the fourth quarter. He's, in a lot of ways, been the king of the fourth at different times, as, as some may say. But he's been good, and I like the player. And like I said, they need him, but like a lot of guys on this team... Like Terry Rozier at times, he needs to learn to kind of play his own game. Like sometimes you have Rozier getting the head, get into spots where he tries to play like he's Kyrie. And that's just, once you see Terry trying to go behind the back and go between his legs and pull out all the moves, you're like, oh no, he's going to lose this ball. He's going to lose this ball. Like he can't do that. Like he just sees Kyrie, gets all excited, tries to do it himself. And it's just sometimes like he's a guy who needs to like stay, not stay in his lane, but you know, play within himself. And they have guys who are doing that. And then they need other guys to start doing more. Like, I've been saying this all year that I would like to see Jason Tatum get more aggressive. And that's been something I've talked about all year is I feel like for all, all the players on his team who have been over-aggressive offensive, I feel like he's been under-aggressive. Like, I feel like Tatum, every time, especially when I see him out there with the second unit, like, as he kind of tends to be a lot, I'm like, hey, Tatum, like, you should be taking shots, not Daniel Tice or... Nader like like Tatum it's okay you don't you don't need to share the ball so much you can play you you can run the offense right now Kyrie's not there Horford's not there like Tatum do something so you know this team has played excellent they just haven't been playing up to the standard that they set for themselves earlier this year which makes me a little worried going into the playoffs is one thing that if we find if we find well, here's why. Because if we find out that this team was succeeding more because they were putting in all the effort and they were just trying their hardest and playing the toughest they can, that scares me going into the playoffs because you can get you can win a lot of games in the regular season just by out hustling everybody. You can't just by playing. I mean, you saw the Celtics the last couple of years. If you like, you know when they were the best defensive team two years ago, like if you are just willing to go in and be like super aggressive in the regular season all that you can win a lot of games but the problem is if you don't if you're not if you're doing that because of just your energy level and not so much because of your talent level that's not going to work for you in the playoffs because in the playoffs all these guys in the regular season who aren't trying so hard now they're giving 110 percent in the playoffs and then suddenly you're still a less talented team but now you're not giving more effort than anybody else. And I'm not saying that's what the Celtics are doing. Because I think that the Celtics team is by and far much more talented than last year's team. But 
if we find out that they've been succeeding more because of effort, that's a problem going into the playoffs. Not a good thing. As much as I hate to sit here and tell them that if that you know you can't being a tryhard will only get you to the playoffs in the NBA. It won't overcome a talent deficit when games really matter. So that's Yes, and it scares you when you see, you know, now you have the Raptors heating up, and the Raptors were a team who consistently last season I thought were a better team than the Celtics. I think they were lucky that they never faced them. The Cavaliers, their new look has seemed to really pay dividends for them, and I don't want to say anything about that because, honestly, just making changes can usually help you, at least in the short term. So I'm not going to say that this new look – I think they've got better through the trade. I still don't think that they're a great team. They still don't – I mean, they still, in the end, like they still don't have that number two guy. They still haven't replaced Kyrie. They still haven't replaced Kyrie, though. You know, like, their role players can be as good as they want, but in the end, like, they haven't replaced Kyrie. So, yeah, exactly. And the Celtics, though, their remaining schedule isn't the hardest. They have a couple of tough challenges. I mean, really, they're only tough games, like, really tough games. They have a game against the Rockets coming up next month, and then they have a game against the Thunder, and then finally they have two out of three against the Raptors. And they're not back-to-backs. The second one is coming off a of back-to-back against the Bucks, but otherwise, like, they're playing the Raptors twice, which I think those will be big games. I think that's going to be, like, kind of like, I don't, I don't want to say, like, a crucial point in the end of the season because no part of an NBA regular season is really crucial, but those will be, you know, those will be, like, kind of good barometer games. Like... Yeah, you worry, you worry if they're going to get in a position again where they're down 2-0 against the Bulls and have to go to Gerald Green as a spark plug. But, which, you know, nobody really talks about how that happened, but it's fine because that entire team isn't here anymore. So, half of them are, like, in Utah or something now. So, yeah, Utah has two Celtics from last year, actually, now that I think about it. They got Jerekbo. They got Jerekbo, and they, and they got Crowder. Should have been a trade. Should've been a sign and trade for for Hayward. We'll give you Jerekbo and Jay Crowder, and then you get we get Gordon Hayward. Maybe could have gotten him to throw in Donovan Mitchell too. Oh well. Oh well, all these things, all these things are 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 hard in hindsight. But yeah, I just I I'm not worried because I because like we I've seen this team play at a high level. We've seen this team play like the best team in the NBA for stretches. So. I don't think they're the best team in the NBA. I never have all season, but still, like, I know that they can play better than they have, and I think that they will. I just, I don't know. It's just, they looked unenthused is the problem. They looked bored, and that's the one problem that you kind of run into, too, with Brad Stevens is, I don't know how much faith I have in Brad Stevens as a motivator. I don't know how much faith, that thing, like, Brad Stevens, I listened to him on the radio today talking about just, like, Getting the team pumped. He's like, yep, we got to play with more energy. We got to play with more energy. And it's like, okay, Brad. I don't think you're the. No, no, I don't care. I mean, in the end, like, they're not going to win in the finals either way. So, I mean, everything's moot. But, well, I mean, going to the finals would be cool. But it's all moot anyway. But the. it, I, I mean, like. In the end, like, Brad Stevens keeps proving me wrong about things, and I have plenty of faith in Brad Stevens. It's just, like, you know, strictly as a motivator, I'm going to, like, I'm not going to, like, you know, if that's the main problem, that worries me a little bit. But also, I mean, they, they'll be fine. I mean, I'm trying to find problems where there are none, but they've just, they've been playing weak lately, and they need to, they need to, 
They need to get that in gear. I mean, they deserve a certain amount of the criticism for that, and it's going to come just from guys getting back to places where they were. At the beginning of the year, every player on this team impressed me. Like, during the beginning of the year, every player on this team was better than I thought. Every player. I came out and said it. Like, every player on the – except for Gordon Hayward. Every player on this roster has been better than I thought. Like, down to Kyrie to, like, Nader. And now – getting like they need their young guys to and they're all young guys except for Horford the entire team is young guys but they need everybody to kind of like get it back together and be good again But, I mean, it's it's to be expected. It's not it's not surprising. And you hope that, you know, by playoff time and after the All-Star break, once again, they've had time to refocus. They've had time to reconvene. I have faith in these people. I don't think they're going to all go off. And, and the Celtics, they have a good structure going, too. So, I'm not worried. Like, I just, I want to see it. If, we get, if we're, like, in a couple more weeks and they're still playing like they've been doing, then, yeah, maybe this team ran out of steam too early. Maybe they've kind of been lost a little bit, but. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. We'll see how things go. Anyway, thank you for joining us, Adam. No problem. Okay, thanks, Adam. We were just we were just talking to Adam Moore from the guest of the Stadium Experience Drive to the Draft. If anybody remembers that, back when I my first experiment with live streaming. When we were on my way to the draft, and yes, tried to live stream it, I was driving. It was very dangerous. Very, very dangerous. Very stupid. Pretty bad content. But anyway, you are listening to the Stadium Experience one-year anniversary spectacular. We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll be being joined by our final surprise guest, and we'll be talking to them about baseball. We'll kind of try to circle back to J.D. Martinez stuff. I want to talk about Stuff that's coming out of Rob Manfred, Mom, Rob Manfred being a sweet bitch, and we're gonna discuss that stuff. We're gonna comb over it, kind of the culmination of a thing I complained about a lot over the summer. And like I said, when we'll come back, we'll continue with the stadium experience, one year anniversary, and I'll continue celebrating myself. So we'll be right back after this. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans? Which tree Abraham Lincoln used to cross a river? And what tree William Penn used as a landmark for his map? Taste the breeze, it's life inside you. Make a promise to the earth. There's an easy way to find out. Go to the National Arbor Day Foundation's website, arborday.org, for whatever you need to know about trees. At ArborDay.org, you'll find out what trees are right for planting where you live and that the oak is the people's choice for America's national tree. It was a Sunnybrook oak which Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the Battle of New Orleans. You'll have to go to ArborDay.org for the other answers. Plant a tree today for all the world to share. That's ArborDay.org.
Okay, fellas, thanks for checking out our membership meeting for the unstoppable IOTA Gamma Kappa fraternity. Candidates will be notified around mid-semester. Peace, peace. Have a good day. Yo, can you believe that white boy showed up? Who, Justin? Yeah. I mean, he seems pretty cool. He's doing a lot of work in the community. He gets decent grades. Oh, yeah, I played ball with him the other day. Old boy got a mean crossover. Now, see, that's what I'm talking about. White people think that just because they could rap or hoop or something, they could be one of us. Now, what would happen if one of us went across campus and tried to join one of their fraternities? <laughs> Tell you what, it'll be a cold day and you know where before I let a white boy into this frat. You feel me? Nah, Trey. I don't feel you. The first step in fighting racial prejudice is taking a stand. Imagine the power of one voice. Find your voice at freedomcenter.org. A message from the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. For the best local pizza, look no further than Big Tony's Pizzeria at 525 Eaton Street, Providence, featuring daily specials and free delivery until 4 a.m. Get a whole pie or just a slice at the home of the gangster rap. So call in at 401-490-0000 for a slice of the local favorite, Big Tony's. Often imitated, never duplicated. You will never find Wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. WXIN Stadium Experience one year anniversary special. We were just talking to Nick Collins, talking to Adam Moore, talking a lot of hoops. I talked about JD Martinez at the top of the show. I want to circle back to that at some point. But right now, we're joined by our third surprise guest. Joining us is longtime friend of the show, former XIN personality, we'll say. We're being joined now by Drew Spaziano. How you doing, man? Good. Did you like my uh, did you like my song choice? Yeah, yeah. I've really honed that. I always forget how how long it takes that song to get to the chorus when I do it. I always forget it's like a minute and a half into the song, and I'm like, oh no, oh no, no. Wait a minute. I I miss time, but nobody knows what song it is unless I get to that part. So it's a little tough. But Drew's here. Josh Percy coming back into the building. So what we wanted to talk about is, and this is something that just I bitched about all all year last year. All all year last year. Just all, all of us, right? I'm not the only person on the planet. It's about baseball pace of play. And it's about baseball pace of play. 
and how base place play and how it is it's too long. Last year games checked in at what? 305? You can't have that button there. You can't bypass the dump system. Steve Rice told me to tell whoever was doing that to stop. So hit that build button. Anyway, and the... A little bit of administrative issues. Anyway, the... A thing that we complained about last year was how the baseball pace of play was way too high and how games were taking... What was it? Was the average 305 last year? Three oh eight. Yeah, the article I'm looking at here says since 2005, the pace play, the average baseball game in 2005 was 246. And yeah, that's a, what was it, a 22 minute increase? 22. Yeah, 23 minute increase. And also, that doesn't sound bad when you're just talking averages. But you gotta think, they're average because there are a bunch of games that are close to four hours long. Three and a half hours, four hours long. This once again, this is something that I have absolutely just all of us have just been bombasting baseball because it's it's boring to watch. Unless you're an old man awaiting death in your retirement home. Like, nope, nobody has time. For a three and a half hour baseball game. Especially when it's that long because pitchers take forever to wind up. They want to play with their hats a bunch. They want to scratch themselves. Batters want to step out of the box. Take a couple of swings. The catcher wants to redo the signals a couple of times. And... Ooh. Sorry about that, my thing fell up. And... It's boring things that's not fun to watch. Like, it, in the end, like, for a game that you watch four or five times a week, if you're keeping up with every game, it's, it's not fun to watch. So, the thing that's been floating around a lot has been the idea of the pitch clock and the idea that, well, the pitch clock has been the big, you know, the big to-do that's been continuously at least brought up with by Rob Manfred, but seemingly that hasn't been enacted. Now, there have been a couple of rule changes that are seemingly going to go through this year. The first one, mound visits. Mound visits will be limited to six per team per nine inning. Teams will receive an, an additional visit for every inning played. Yada, yada, yada. Any manager, coach, or player visiting the mound will count as mound visit, which... Great. Love that. I brought that up a ton, how I don't... How, if anybody goes to the mound, it should be a visit, and you should only have a limited amount. So I love that. The between-inning breaks. They're going to cut those down a couple of seconds. They're going to focus on... They're going to try to make them... They're going to have the breaks in locally televised games be 205, in nationally televised games be 225, and then all these things get longer for the playoffs, which I'm fine. I mean, they can make the playoff games long. I don't really care about that as much. And then, you know, the pitchers don't have a set amount of warm-up pitches they're guaranteed, things like that. And then also pitching changes have to go quickly, and then they're trying to revise, you know, the way that... Instant replay works. But the main thing is that the is that mound visits have been changed. Which once again is surprising enough that that got through, but it sounds as though Manfred backed down from the idea of the 
pitch clock, and it comes out that I'm pleased we're able to, this is from Manfred, by the way, a statement he had, I am pleased that we were able to reach an understanding with the Players Association to take concrete steps to address pace of play with the cooperation of players. My strong preference is to continue having ongoing dialogue with players on the, this topic to find mutually acceptable solutions. And then the Players Association, not happy. Players Association is just, is, isn't happy. Players Association, players were involved in pace of play discussions from day one and are committed to playing a crisp and exciting band, brand of basketball for the fans. But they remain concerned about rule changes that could alter the outcome of games and the fabric of the game itself. And then it comes out that the MLB, play, the, the Players Association, they agreed to the changes, but they didn't sign the thing. They're like, we'll, we'll let them go. We're not going to agree to them, but we're also not going to get in your way. But we can't, we can't have it on paper that we agree to, no, to less mound visits because that goes against the game. So, yeah, screw them. Like, just, if it's the Players Association... That are the people who are working against the game getting faster, like, screw them, I don't care. Like, they can they can cry all they want, honestly, about getting less mound visits or less or pitch clock. Like, I'm like you get to that and you're like, okay, well, obviously Manfred isn't doing things because he's afraid the players association will get will get pissy with him. And they're bringing up that the And they bring up that that they you know that if games don't get under a certain length this year, I believe it's if games aren't under 255, then the pitch clock will be visited next off season. And I just want to see Manfred just put his foot down, and just put in a pitch clock. And I feel like he's not doing that because of the players' association. And he's I don't know he's a. F In June, in June, in game 60 of 182, like... Yes, the XIN among XIN lore. Yeah, and I agree, and even with just the mound visits, you still have the players complaining. Vasquez yesterday was talking about how not having enough mound visits will ruin the game, and I don't know, the baseball powers of the world need to just, like, change their mindset, because even you talk, I talked to people who were, fuck, 
to where like high school baseball players and they're like no you can't change it because it's beautiful watching the game develop like no it's not it can be beautiful in two hours and 40 minutes like yes that's fun No, there's not. This needs to be faster. And if the pitches aren't going to be, and even with the pitches being slowed down, the way the game is played has slowed down so much. You have guys every at bat trying to go to a 3 2 count. Nobody swings at the first pitch. Like that just, oh my God. And that's just the strategy of it. And that's fine. But. If you want to play that way, get a pitch clock. Don't try to don't don't have ever, don't have your ninth batter try to take the starter to ten pitches. I'm sorry. Or if you do, accept that you're slowing the game down. You're not playing the game the way it's always been played. The game was not always this slow, and just accept a pitch clock like an adult who's making thirty million dollars. They're just so whiny. And they play more. They spend more time on the field than any of the original, than any of the other sports. I give them credit for that, but just, my, no. It... No, when you have Vasquez going out there and just complaining and they just whine about this. And God, it's just. And then Manfred is afraid of the whining, and that's why there's not a pitch clock, I'm convinced. And that, and like, you know, last year we talked about Manfred, like, yeah, like this guy wants to speed the game up. This is the guy who's gonna stand up to the Players Association and everything. This is the guy who's gonna stand up for the billionaires, finally. What America needs. But yeah, it's like the one sport where I'm really siding with the commissioner on stuff, and I want him to be harsher. Oh my. Baseball is this weird topsy-turvy world. Oh, they have an excellent union. Yes. Yes, and all the people who enjoy a three and a half hour baseball game are dying. Like that, like their core, their core audience is is dying. 
Yes. Yes, but even then, and and I know the point you're going to make, but even back then, the game didn't take this long. Games in the 80s were like two and a half hours long. That's very palpable. That's fine. Yeah, baseball, there's like four given things at any pl any moment that you can say happened. Yeah, that could be a part of it. I mean, they're definitely trying. They're looking to do that now. They're looking like they're trying to shorten the commercial breaks, which is surprising that they would go to that, honestly, which is, you know, good, good, good on them for looking at their money first, then. Which is great. No, and replay, and replay. Replay hurts the game as well, but still, like, that's... No. No, and then they have the contingency of 80-year-old men who are like, I agree, can't slow down the game. You'll, you'll ruin it. You will... Well, that's when he strategizes, though. That's when the beautiful cornucopia of baseball tactics really comes to fruition. You see, he needs to peacock himself a little bit by adjusting his balls, and that slowly gets inside a pitcher's head over the course of the game. And as he sees more and more members of the lineup, then it gets, if you take that away, then baseball is just guy throw and guy hit. Like, there's none of the, you know, there's none of the psychological aspect to it. Like, that's... Like, that's my point. Like, that sounds ridiculous, but that's what baseball purists sound like, to me at least.
They haven't. They're romanticizing a way that the game was played that the game was never played like until like the last 10 years. Like the game was not played like this in the 80s. In the 80s, they got the ball, they threw it. And then they hit it, or they didn't hit it, and there was no money ball, which I actually love the money balls, so I can complain. But there was none of that. They, they weren't sending everybody up. They weren't getting a high five if you struck out, but took the guy to 10 pitches. Like, it just, everything went faster. Like, it just, they, they should be able to get a pitch over within 20 seconds. Like, that shouldn't be a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think it's it's so simple and these players just don't want it to be changed and they got to do this at all levels is the trick too. If you legitimately don't think that you can convince the players now, you need to start just convincing the kids now that the pitch clock is working. But problem is, you know where you find more baseball purists is like in Little League, I feel like. Or in like weird high school summer leagues where all the real old purists go now because they're all getting fired for these advanced metrics guys. Oh, no, adjusted for society. I want the game to move fast because I got other stuff to do. Like, you know what I do when I watch baseball? Usually I have to play on my phone, like, the whole time. Like, that's, like, my time to, like, text people is when I'm watching baseball. And you really don't, like, you You could theoretically program a robot to commentate baseball. And that's coming from this year where I complained about the commentating with the Red Sox all year. But, like, rationally, there's so few given things that can happen in a baseball game. You could just program a robot. Yeah, and I hope I and I might end up having to do some of that this spring, which I'm not, which I'm dubiously ready for. But yeah, exactly. It's just it's it's just so little can happen. So let's just like we have seen everything about. If you watch about a season and a, if you follow the MLB for about a season and a half, like dedicatedly, you'll see every given thing that can happen in a baseball game. I feel like you will have seen every single thing that can happen in a baseball game. And what are those four? Can you say that again about? Really? Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the numbers of it all. Like, in my little, like, like, in my weird head, like, I enjoy following baseball. I enjoy the numbers. I enjoy talking about, like, baseball trades. But, yeah, like, if you try to sit me down in July and watch a game and I'm just not in the mood, like, it's almost impossible. And I will do it. And I will do it for work. I'll do it for this. But sometimes it's hard.
Yeah. Yeah, like I got like I got a Nintendo Switch now. Like maybe I'll just like bring that upstairs and play on that. Like carry up the little tablet version. Just do that while I have the game in the background. Like I, I just I I need to do other stuff or I go crazy watching baseball. Yeah. Yep. Make the game faster. Like, Rob Manfred, do better. Like, we thought you were the prodigal son and now you're failing us. Redeem thyself. So, to move away from that, because I, I feel like I need to touch on that like at least once a month until like stuff starts to change. Like, I need to do this same redundant segment all the time. And it really doesn't change the things that I talk about, but I always feel like I need to bring this up. But anyway, move, move away. I started the show off talking J.D. Martinez, and I like the signing. I like, I think it's, I think, like, the deal they got him on is honestly perfect, like, situation-wise with the team. I was always decently big on him as a target for the Red Sox. I guess just, like, to get another perspective on that, Drew, where do you sit on the J.D. Martinez stare-down ending the way it did? Yeah, and I think just on the matter of the contract, I talk about how I really like the money they signed to him. Really glad that they stood pat. We were able to get him get him at the money they wanted, and I like that the deal has an opt has an opt out for him after two years. I think that that's also that he get that he gets the majority of the money in those first two years, or at least the last two years are a little less palp a little more palpable. But I like that's an opt out because if he produces over the next two years at a close level to what we're hoping, you know, what the optimistic view of it is then he'll definitely opt out and go get a giant deal somewhere else. Or here, but probably somewhere else. So I feel like the Red Sox have got, like, I have a good chance of him leaving in two years, which I think would be the best case for them. I think that them losing, that him leaving after two years, when then the Red Sox, other young guys are up. Chris Sale will be up. Then they can kind of refocus. I think that would be great for them, and I think that that would end up working out. And I'm just, I'm glad that, we're seeing like this like deflation of the player contract market right now 
and I talked about this a lot last week about how this I feel like this is like a one a lot, not a one time but like a one time market correction going on here and that this isn't just the norm now that the off season will go this long so I'm it seems like the like I said it feels weird that I'm rooting for the owners and the billionaires but baseball is this weird topsy-turvy world apparently and where we where we root for our bourgeoisie overlords for stupid money. Right, and I said last week that the problem's been, this is my metaphor, for the last couple of years, you've seen, really the last five, ten years, you've seen B, B-minus quality players just signing A-plus, like, value contracts. And that's just, and now the league, it's kind of like how the NBA is after, what was it, 2014 when the salary cap went up, and now the league is just riddled with these terrible contracts everywhere. And the NBA adapted to a rising cap by, oh, we should pay Della Vadova $17 million because this money's never going away! You would think that professional baseball basketball managers would know not to pay role players $17 million, but what do I know? <laughs> Yeah, you see, I, you see, I will, I will stand by that. At the time, I thought like giving Mozgov sixteen million dollars was really dumb, but I'm not the GM of the Lakers, so what do I know? Or like, or that giving Luau Dang eighteen million dollars was really dumb. Yeah, and now we're seeing, like, baseball is trying to, like, kind of step back. And it sucks for these players who, if they had become a free agent two years ago, would have $200 million contracts. No, no. And it's kind of, and like, it, like every NBA free agent in 2015, sucked to be them. It was great to be a role player in 2014. 
2015, not good. Sorry, you were saying. No. You could see, you might you will see a guy like a Tyreek Evans maybe being available for like a mid-level exception. Whereas two years ago he would have gotten like twenty million. Or, or, it, or, like, when all these contracts come off the books at the same time, they're all going to go crazy again and not learn a thing. throw and I've always and I've always said this for a while now the toughest position to be at in the NBA is not to be an awful team the hardest thing to do in the NBA is be a middle of the road team like be like a trailblazers a wizards a team like that where you have some talent you're like a sixth seventh seed team so you're always stuck in this purgatory of and you're usually against the cap because you have all your good guys re-signed but these guys are never going to win you a championship. But also, it's so hard to give up on those guys and embrace sucking for a little bit. So that's why I've always said that, like, being that sixth, seventh quality, seed quality team and, like, stuck against the cap, hardest thing to rebuild from. There are so few good players. Well, because, no, it's hard to get better because in the end, what you need to win in the NBA is a top five player. Like, and those guys don't just, so you re-sign, you know, your stars, the guys you drafted, because you hope that they can develop into that. But guess what? If DJ, L D DJ, Damian Lillard and CJ McCullen don't become those guys and just are all-star quality players, you're, you're stuck. Like, you have two all-stars, but you don't have a superstar, so you're just stuck. You can't, you can't go anywhere. And Damian Lillard may think that he's the best point guard in the league, but, like, you're stuck. You just, you gotta hope, you basically gotta just hope that one of your guys develops. Or hope that LeBron comes to you, which, you have a one out of 30 chance of that happening. But otherwise, like, you just, or you can be like OKC and have that happen three times and screw it up. But, no, that's the problem. Like, you just, you can't, because in the end, like, Plus, the NBA is a massive talent problem, but you you can't sit there and you got to sit there and hope that one of your guys develops because most likely you can't get one of these other guys who's an actual top five player to come. So you just got to hope and then you might just get stuck as a mediocre to pretty good team and you can't really go anywhere from there. Yeah. 
You got to pick for upside. You have a guy, you're, you're picking on guys you've seen play many, maybe 20 games of a level of basketball above high school. Is your pro you ha you're picking guys, and you do you're right, you don't know if they're going to hold up physically for one thing, because like you said, you have a guy who's played 20 games and maybe made the Final Four. Like, that's... But at least you have four years of a high level of, at least you know that they can hold up, maybe. Better. Yeah, and you're hoping that those, reasonably hope your draft picks are productive for three years. Like, that's... If you can get your draft picks to be productive for you for three years, like you're doing good. Like you're doing the right thing. Oh, me too. Yeah, no problem, Drew. Great. Come in whenever. Come to the studio sometime. Come back here. We miss you. Come back. We miss you. We we need we need Brian Gumble back. I'm script. I'm script. Yeah, I'd love that. I'm scripting the Gumble to Gumble musical right now. I'm writing the score. I don't know if Dave's cued you into that, but that's 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 coming together. I'm trying to get Dan Aykroyd involved. And yeah, okay. Thanks for calling in, Drew. Have fun with your errands. All right, we were just talking to Andrew Spaziano, friend of the show, former former mainstay here at 90.7, and you're listening to the Stadium Experience one-year anniversary special, and about 4.45 right now, and I think... I think... It's about time, that special time of day again, when I bid everybody adieu. I want to thank everybody for listening, everybody who's been listening... For the last year. It's been great. I love doing this. This is always a highlight of my week. I'm really I'm really glad I've been able to get a consistent year. I've obviously I've missed a few weeks, but I'm able to go since last February. February 22nd, 2017 was my first broadcast right here in the same studio. So I just really want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody who's ever come on the show. Josh Percy, Dave Cusack, Drew Spaziano, E-Love, Jordan Moment, Sierra Stewart, Ryan Silva, Nick and Rass, Joe Gudra, Jackson Reaper, The Murfquake. Adam Moore. I want to thank, yeah, really everybody here at the station. I mean, Mike Kane for helping me figure out the live stream here, always being a support system for me. I want to thank Genesis. She's been a big supporter of my brand lately. Uh, Tom Limod, everybody here at the station, everybody here, my my good, my my lover, Nikki, right here. Everybody, I really I just want to thank everybody who's been a part of it. I really, uh, my family for being supportive. All my friends who listen in, all my fans out there who don't know me, all the people who hate me, Thank you to you too. The haters, the haters give me strength. I, I just, I don't have as much prepared as I thought I did. 
But no, I really enjoy doing this. I hope to keep doing this. I want to do this the rest of my life. Hopefully in some capacity or another. I feel like I've I feel like I've been learning. I've learned a lot about myself. About my abilities. I just I hope that this is something that I can keep doing for a long time. I thank everybody for listening. Once again to the Stadium Experience one year anniversary special. I'll be back next week, four to six PM, kicking off year two. Hopefully we'll be back here in a year's time. Talk about more. Have more people. Have more hot... Not hot takes. I'm not a hot takes guy, but have more exciting takes. And... Yeah, thank you. Thank you to everybody. Thank you for everybody who's been involved. Everybody who's listened. Everybody who's helped me. And we will see you next week, 4 to 6 p.m. for the Stadium Experience with Jake Helmsley on 90.7 WXIN and streamed live on the Mike K. Memorial live stream on the official Facebook page. Also, if you want to listen to the show... Please go to the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud page or download the show on iTunes. Once again, we'll be back next week. I'm Jake Elmsley. See you then.